Hi, everybody. This is Peter Travers, and welcome to Popcorn, where we tell you what's happening at the movies. And yes, people, there are movies. You know, <laughs> they exist, even though none of us can go out and see them yet, but we're waiting for that great day. And in the meantime, you can get them on demand, like The Outpost, which my guest today, Scott Eastwood, will tell us all about. Won't you, Scott? I sure will. This is a really, really good movie. You said it. And you have a lot of, I mean, you're not only playing a real guy in yeah. this movie, um, you're, who is a Medal of Honor winner, but it's an intense Afghan war movie. And the second half of it is like, boom, you know, every minute. What was that like doing that? Did Rod Laurie torture you? <laughs> no, you know, Rod's, uh, Rod was, uh, I, I actually really enjoyed uh, making this movie with Rod Laurie. He had a strong vision. He wanted the film to sit with the, the men that were there, to have those uncomfortable emotions, to have the emotional emotions, have the full spectrum. And I feel like he did a, a great job of making it a, like a really kinetic, visceral experience that, what, that you know, would feel like you were there. Yeah, well, when you do that, though, that means torture the actors. It does. It does. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, look, I think when you sign up for, when you sign up to do a movie like this, when you sign up to, to honor... Uh, you know, these, these people and, and to, you know, to tell this kind of story, you're, you're signing up for that. You know, you're signing up because that's, that's, you know, it's part of it. You got to do it. Now, did you get to meet your character? I didn't. I, I was able to speak with him on the phone. He was gracious enough to give me that. Mm -hmm. um, he had a competing project. He has his own book uh, called Red Platoon. Uh, that that uh, was going to be made at one point into a movie. I don't know if it's being made now, and and so he didn't want to, you know, participate in this movie. But he was gracious enough to give me a phone call, and luckily I was able to read his book. And there's a lot of material out there on him. He's did a lot of interviews uh, post uh, post uh, him receiving the Congressional Medal of Honor. Well. I thought it was, there was one of the strangest things that I saw when I realized who you were playing because his first name is Clint. That's, uh, yeah. Did that give you pause? It gave me pause. Yeah. <laughs> it gave me pause. <laughs> I, I imagine, uh, well, I don't know why Rod wanted me to play it so bad, but uh, maybe there was some sort of, uh, I don't know. Maybe I reminded him of a young Clint Eastwood. I have no idea. I, I don't know. To be honest, I, I was I was very timid uh, about uh, about taking this role because I had I had already done a few war movies. I've done you know I've done this a, a few times and I played a soldier a few times and I sort of said well, I'm a, I don't know I think I've exhausted that genre. But Rod was very convincing and when. I, w I looked into the story because I was unfamiliar with the story when he, when he came to me. Um, I realized that it was, it was, there was much more to it, that this was a huge military screw-up. This was tactically something you would never do, something we will hopefully never do again. And out of it came an incredible amount of heroism from everyday people, people who were asked to do something that was not possible. Not just the two Congressional Medal of Honors were, were given out during the Battle of Kamdesh, but over 37 Purple Hearts. So that's telling in itself that this battle was an, inc an incredibly courageous uh, thing that happened. There's a ton of heroism. Um, and then, you know, we, we lost a ton of lives. It was just, um, it's just an incredible true story.
Well, what you can do by making a movie of this is that we can see the geography of this, you know, how these guys are down there at the bottom of these mountains with the Taliban up there on top, you know, just, yeah. it, it's almost like sitting ducks, you know, it was a massive screw up to do that. You know, in the yeah. end, I think they decided, didn't they, that there was no need for it, for that outpost at all. Yeah, they, they ultimately, uh, when we abandoned it or left it, uh, yeah, they, they, uh, they took it out. They, um, they ultimately bombed it. We had to leave some ammunition there, and uh, we, we ultimately bombed it and, um, and, and took it out. Well, did, did Rod have some kind of boot camp for all you guys to do this? Uh, he did. He put together a boot camp. I, however, uh, couldn't attend because I had a, a broken ankle. Oh, sure. I, I did. Bet, I bet your co-stars let you know that was sure they believed you. I wish I was making it up. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I showed up, I showed up in, a, in a cast, actually, to, to my first day of shooting. Um, so I was, I was, for the first three weeks of shooting, I was hobbling around. You know, but that's Hollywood. You grew up about and with Hollywood, right? I mean, you know how this business works. I, I, I know enough. <laughs> I know enough. enough. Learn it every day. <laughs> no, I've been on the set of some of your dad's movies, and um, I see how he runs it like a military operation. You know? <laughs> this is true. This is true. No nonsense about it. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, well, that's, that's something that, that uh, I guess has been instilled in me since I was a kid. Uh, you know, there's no fluff and, and there's no reason to, you know, you don't need a bunch of excess and you need it to be run like a military operation. And that, that will, that will make it efficient. When was that moment in your life where you said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get it somehow in the family business. Did you have trepidations about it? I did. I did. Um, I, I think, um, I was always fascinated with film. I always loved storytelling. I thought, I thought maybe even more so than acting that that was, um, that was a craft that I was fascinated with. I loved watching movies my father made growing up. I remember vividly um, as a as a as a young kid, uh, ten or twelve or something, watching um, Unforgiven and being just floored and moved by the movie. It's a great yeah. puberty movie. I think it just prepares you, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's, we all have it coming, kid. Yes, sure. <laughs> that scene, actually, that scene where he's talking to the, the Schofield kid and he's telling him, we all got it coming. Uh, that is one of the best scenes uh, probably of all time. It, 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 as far as, you know, what I think, it, um, something that, that, summa that there's a summation of, of my father's career is, as him being, um, you could you could call it the the historical his his history of of, of film iconography or whatever. It, him kind of at that at that point um, in westerns that it was just that was a beautiful scene and I, that really moved me. And I thought that you know this hey I'd like to give this storytelling thing a shot. When you were starting in the beginning, you didn't use the Eastwood name, right? Were you having trepidations about using it? I think I didn't know if I was going to be able to, to do it and uh, to, to be able to make a career at acting. I was young 
I was uh, in my late teens, early 20s, and I just sort of was saying, let, let me try to see if I can get it, land a couple gigs on, you know, on your own. I say it on my own. Now I think I laugh because it's, it's, it's on your own in the sense that, you know, you're, you, you've got to go on audition for these things anyways. So it sort of is on your own, but I think I wanted to sort of some anonymity. I mean, it's hard for you to do it because you look a lot like your dad. So it's very difficult for you to say, uh Oh, you know, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, I don't have that look. Can you do the Clint? Can you do the squint and the scowl? Yeah, I'm scared. <laughs> it took me a long time to get over that, you know, but he knows how to use it. He really knows how to use it. So before that, can you discuss you growing up before all this happened? Because we'll talk a little bit too about, you know, the movies you've done. You've done these major gigantic suicide squad kinds of movies too and mm -hmm. smaller movies. And you've done the Nicholas Sparks one at the longest ride, which is, you know, it's like another notebook. You know, people just love it. And yet you were yeah. a bull rider in it. But how did you, how did you grow up and say, I'm going to do this? I, I, I kind of was a walk-on player. I, call, I tell people that. Mm -hmm. I tell people I'm like a, like a walk-on player in sports. I was never, I, I was never, you know, like this gifted, talented person at it. I just think I was, I was, I figured out I, I could do it. I could do the job. And, and get it done. And I was going to, I was going to succeed because I'm a hard worker and I'm probably pretty easy to get along with. And I don't complain. That is my strong suit. Not because I'm some great actor. Um, cause I'm not, I'm okay. And, uh, you know that, like, I was like, ah, okay, I could do this. I could, I could do, you know, I can, I can, I can do it, I think. Um, and so I sort of just sort of, you know, stumbled into it. I kind of sort of kept giving myself benchmarks. I said, oh, well, if I, if I can get it done and, and start making a career at it by 30, I'll, um, I'll keep doing it. And if not, then, then it wasn't meant to be. I'll, you know, I'll give it a good 10 years and, and I'll do something else. Um, and so, you know, it, it kind of caught some, caught some good luck and good fortune and, and got a few roles that kind of took me to that next level. And, and gave me that opportunity, and I said, okay, well, maybe I'll give myself till 40. <laughs> when you worked for your father, did he make it hard on you? Yeah. <laughs> Again, I'm just not surprised. He's so old school that he never wanted anyone thinking that he was giving out handouts, so he would, um, he would make it tough on me for sure. Uh, you know, I probably I imagine like in a lot of businesses, uh, in family business, you know, you, you f working for your family has uh, got its complications. <laughs> wow, that was so diplomatic a way to say it. Wow, <laughs> complications. It There's does. Yeah. <laughs> There's just a moment of two of them to do it. I remember Invictus. I remember that one as the, because you're a rugby player, right? And yep. it's a uh, you're an active guy, right? This is something you want to do. You like physical roles, except when you break that ankle. Except when I break the ankle, yeah. Mm -hmm. I do like the. I like physical roles. I think. Um, I don't know. I always, you know, I always was a physical guy. I always played. I played football. I played rugby. I, I surfed. I did martial arts. I, you know, I did stuff that 
the physical body. And I think that's, that's, you know, that's a look like acting in general um, is a physical art form, right? It's, it's, um, it's not only an emotional art form, it's a physical art form. And I think they both are a simpatico, uh, if you will, you know, they, they have to exist, they have to coexist together. And if you're going to be a, you're going to be the star of a movie or you know, you're going to lead this and you've got to be a, there's a certain sense. You got to be a physical guy. I think it helps too to be uh, psychologically fit. <laughs> no, you seem to have your head screwed on straight, which is great because a lot of acting is uh, rejection. Yeah. You got to, got to fix in. The rejection is one thing, but to be rejected when it's your dad, you know, didn't you try to get to a role in American Sniper where you would be playing Bradley Cooper's brother? I did. I did. Yeah. I auditioned for that role. Um, I read for it. It was actually probably one of the, the best things that never happened. <laughs> because uh, to be honest, I, I, I don't know if it was right around that time that that never happened. And then I went and auditioned for The Longest Ride. And that movie was good for me and was a much better part. And it turned out to be a great movie. It really did. Working with George Tillman Jr. and Britt Robertson and the folks at 20th Century Fox. It just turned out to be like all in all great experience for me. And so, you know, if I had gone and done American Sniper, maybe that never, would have never happened. You know what I'm talking about, Scott. It always, when you're, you're the son or the daughter of someone famous, everybody thinks you grew up having everything. Sure. All great. Silver spoon, get me my Porsche when I'm 16. Is that anything like your life? Nah, nada. That, uh, my dad would be, he, he would be, <laughs> that would never fly in our household. Um, in fact, the opposite. He's, he's, kind of, he, he's, I remember asking him for a, I remember I, I was 19 or 18 asking uh, if I could, you get a, a like a seven or eight thousand dollar loan from him. I had a job at the time. I was bu busting tables in Santa Barbara. I asked for a seven or eight thousand dollar loan to buy my uh, my first car, and uh, I remember he just uh, the the other uh, end of the phone line right away took like an immense amount of courage to even ask him. Right, I was, you know, say, can I get this loan? I need to buy a car, and I just remember it going quiet on the other line, and then him just being like, no, and. Uh, the phone just hanging up <laughs> and, and just being like, oh, okay. Can't we discuss this? Yeah. There was no discussion about it. You know, and I know a lot of, I, I, well, I actually, I didn't really grow up living in LA or Hollywood, but I guess since being like having to go through, you know, auditioning and being a part of living in LA for a while, I've have met some people who, I guess probably you, you would say they had a silver spooner or they just, you know, rich kids that grew up, um, that grew up never really having to, uh, you know, kind of getting what they want when they want it. And I, I tell you, it's a huge disservice you can do to your kids, huge disservice because they don't, don't have a value for, for a dollar and they don't know what that, um, what that process is like having to struggle bartend and work three jobs and, you know, chase your career at the same time in parallel. I think that's really important for people. And I think my dad knew that. How are you as a critic of you? Pretty tough. Yeah? Yeah, I don't, I don't really want to watch uh, that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But is, is there in any of the work, and you've done a lot of movies, you've done a mess of them. And even when some were small parts, you're still there and you're still learning, right? I mean, that's, people don't really get that chance to be around how it's done so that you're not just scared to death all the time of how it is done. And you have yeah. a great presence on camera, you know? You have confidence that's there. That's not easy to build up. Uh, yeah, I imagine it's like, um, it's got to be like being a, a golfer, right? You, at a certain point, you're... Uh, uh, you know, like the physical game is, is um, you got that and you can, you're doing that. And then it's all about your mental confidence, right? You're just uh, you believing in yourself and your abilities. And, and I think that only just gets strengthened the more you do it, the more reps in the gym. Yeah. What do you want out of life? Let me sort of begin to finish up by asking you that. What is it you want out of your life? To be happy. To, to like good friends, family, um, uh, active in the sun, um, uh, to feel, you know, peaceful and calm. And I think that comes with um, quieting that little voice in my side of my head that goes, you're not doing enough. You're not doing enough. <laughs> get up out of bed. Get, you, get up, you lazy asshole. You're not doing enough. You're not doing enough. And the only way I know how to quiet that is by to do to do more to go out and surf until I'm exhausted, or to you know uh, do jujitsu, or to go act and to to create and and feel accomplished. And when I do those things, and then it, I, I feel at peace and calm. Well, that is a really great philosophy of life. You know, we always end this show in a little bit of song. I don't know how uh, music plays a giant part of your life or not. I also know that I missed it. You know, I sent him a note, but your dad just turned 90 on yeah. May 31st, 90. Did you all have a big party for that? Um, I wouldn't call it a big party, but uh, we, uh, yes, we, we, we definitely celebrated his birthday. And uh, I, 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 when I look at him, he doesn't, even feel like a 90 year old. He comes across to me as like a 50 or 60 year old. Like you're a machine. You're an absolute monster. You're just, I don't know how you keep going. Energizer bunny. He's got it and he can do it. But if you had to sing me a little bit of a song that was for your dad, that you thought summed him up or your feelings for him, what would that be? No pressure. Yeah, no pressure. Jeez. Yeah. How about, Instead of singing, I whistle. That's great. <laughs> that? That's the theme from uh, Sergio Leone. Come on. There it was. You know, as long as we could have heard it, the whistle kind of ended. All right. I'm accepting that. That's it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Good luck with whatever you do, because I think you're in this world with exactly the right attitude. Keep it up. Thank you very much, sir. It was a pleasure. Bye-bye. Yeah.